welcome to New Life Church Crawley. Thank you for joining us on our stream today, which is a little bit different. So this is a pre-recorded service uh, like we used to have during COVID uh, because the person who's preaching today can't be on our live stream. But we hope you enjoy the songs that we're going to put uh, for you. We hope that you're able to participate with that. And we hope you enjoy the message uh, that I'm preaching as part of our series, Meals for Jesus. So let's listen to this song. As an intergenerational church, uh, we often have the kids involved. They're often singing up front. So why don't you enjoy this song, uh, maybe with your family as well, and sing along and worship God as we will be for those who are physically present. Yes. Yeah. 
Just a few things that we want to make you aware of. Some of them are happening soon. Some of them are a little bit longer term. And stuff for families as well, which is really helpful over the summer. We know that can be a challenging time for families over the summer. So we want to give you an opportunity to, to meet together. We're having some uh, picnics and then um, we would love to invite you along to that as well. So all the details will be coming up on, on these announcements and then we'll be going straight into our message today. Welcome everyone, if you've just joined the stream today, we're, we're very glad to have you. If you're a regular as well, then uh, please get in contact with us, tell us what you find helpful about it, how you enjoy it. It's always encouraging to get that response. So we're going to turn to, to God's Word together. This is part of our series on Meals with Jesus. Uh, all the notes uh, will be available for download from the website for this present message and all the, the past series. You can search and see what's going on. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get stuck into our message today. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement it brings into our life. And we pray that you would help us. Help us understand, help us listen, help us respond to what you want to do in our life. We pray for those who are discouraged, who are despairing, that something from your word today will just bring that strength and hope back into their experience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if we're honest, we know we all face disappointments in life. Sometimes they're, they're the small things such as a, a meal that hasn't quite worked out, whether we've cooked it or whether we've gone to a restaurant. It's those small things that are inconvenient but not really life-changing. But there are also the disappointments that, that are a bit more serious. 
maybe a job that hasn't worked out. Maybe a relationship that hasn't worked out. And Sometimes we're, we're not always good at processing those things. We, we don't know what to do with those emotions of disappointment. But actually, when we look at the Bible and the passage we're, we're going to look at today, uh, one of the reasons I love the Bible is it's, it's tremendously honest about dealing with those issues in our life. And this is from the story at, towards the end of, end of Luke. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 15. That same day, after the resurrection of Jesus, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was a Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened some three days ago. Then some women from a group of his followers were at the tomb this morning and they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and they'd seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? That very same day, they're walking. It's been the day of the resurrection. The, the ladies have come and, and shared the amazing story that Jesus is alive. But part of it was culture. Part of it was maybe a little bit of doubt, maybe despair. But they didn't really believe the message of the women that Jesus was alive. And so they come and encounter Jesus and they don't know it's him. I wonder if they ever felt like a, a character from a British sitcom, a guy called Victor Meldrew. <laughs> he had a program, it was called One Food in the Grave and you'll see on screen one of his catchphrases, I don't believe it. He was this older man who'd retired. He'd become quite skeptical, quite cynical and easily offended. 
And every time something happened with the neighbors or something, whether it was the postman being late, he basically complained about everything. And then when things didn't go his way, he said, I don't believe it. Cynical, skeptical, easily offended, lacking faith. The followers of Jesus themselves were disappointed and they were in shock, maybe denial, talking about everything that happened. And on top of that, it seems as if Jesus is insensitive. He says to them, verse 17 and 18, what are you discussing so intently that they walk along? The Bible records, they stop short. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Someone says something and you suddenly stop. What, are you on crazy pills? Do you not know? Do you not understand? You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things. They were clearly disillusioned by what took place. The crucifixion of Jesus was, was not what any of his disciples were expecting. Even though Jesus had predicted it, even though Jesus had warned them ahead of time, they weren't really prepared for it, as we'll see in a few minutes. His missing body at the tomb, reports of being alive, but they still didn't get it. And this is where we come to today. Encountering Jesus in our disappointments brings hope. That's the good news of the gospel message. It's not that suddenly everything's going to be fine in life because we're a follower of Christ. But in the midst of our own disappointments, there is hope. There is the hope of his gospel. I, I love the reality of the Bible because the reality of all of our emotions, whether it's anger, sadness, or fear, they're not glossed over. They're treated with honestly, they're treated with integrity, as we see in our Bible reading today. But there are lots of examples in the Bible about how God treats these things honestly. One of the most famous characters in the Old Testament is a guy called Moses. He, he leads the people. He's the deliverer of Egypt with God's help. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, he took things into his own hands. He was disappointed with the circumstances and decided he was going to do something about it. He ended up murdering someone was found out and had to flee into the backside of the desert for 40 years. But here's what Acts chapter 7 verse 25 says of Moses' thinking. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. <laughs> I wonder if you ever come to that point where you think you have the answer, you have the solution, you're so convinced but other people don't realize it. <laughs> I wonder if you ever had that disappointment, maybe not quite a Messiah complex, but something you feel is definitely right and others around you are, eh, not so much. Well, the Bible doesn't gloss over that. Job chapter three, there's a number of references where he, he honestly utters his, his disappointments and his declarations of disappointments with God. And, and right throughout the book of Job, which is thought to be the oldest book in the Bible, in fact, it's the story of someone honestly wrestling with God and having to come to that place of trust when he loses his business, when he loses his family in a very short period of time. See, loss is a reality of life. But what we do with that and what we do with that disappointments, the Bible models for us something of integrity. 
Jeremiah is another example that I personally identify with. Jeremiah 25, he, he talks about the fact that he's been preaching at, at that stage by, for about 23 years. But the whole book of Jeremiah, the longest in the Old Testament, for probably 50 years, Jeremiah preaches. But people didn't really believe him. People didn't really despond. And, and Jeremiah six times comes to God and he wrestles with, God, am I wasting my time? What's the point of this? God allows him to bring those things. People didn't listen or obey. John the Baptist in Matthew 11 is in prison. And this is a cousin of Jesus. This is actually a relation. And John was the one who announced that Jesus would come. But now he's languishing in prison. No snooker table, no satellite television, no comforts. It's a Roman prison. He wouldn't have been treated well. And he sends his disciples to say, are you really the one? John is beginning to wrestle with the disappointment. And Jesus said, John, don't be offended because of this disappointment. Don't let it scandalize you. Don't let it trip you up. Don't let it be a bait in your life. That's the word that's actually used, like trapping an animal. Don't be trapped because of your disappointment. Because this is exactly what was predicted in the Old Testament. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. John has to come and wrestle with his disappointments. We all face disappointments, but we can find hope through encountering Jesus. We can. I want to suggest three simple things to you today as we work through. Encountering Jesus brings the hope of his presence. Just stop it. This is almost Irish in its approach. <laughs> Jesus himself. That's almost an Irishism in my mind where, oh, it's himself. That is something that people would say in Ireland. It's himself. Jesus didn't send an angel. Jesus came and himself is walking. He draws alongside them. He walks in their shoes. And even though he knows they're, they're disgruntled, they're dismayed, they're disbelieving, they're discouraged, Jesus himself draws near. I find that so encouraging. In my moments where I'm wrestling with God, in the moments where I'm wrestling with how to move forward, Jesus draws near. Jesus' presence is there available for me in those moments. Let me ask you a question that might just challenge you. What do you need Jesus to draw alongside for you today? What do you need Jesus to draw alongside you for today? It might be a family situation. It might be financial. It might be your health. And truthfully, I can't promise you health and wealth. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. So I can't promise you that. <laughs> if you're going to follow Jesus, I can promise you trouble. But I can promise you his presence. Because that's what Jesus himself said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So he anticipates their disappointments and he anticipates their disbelief and he's trying to draw out of them what's going on in their hearts. He says, what things? He knows already. He, he was the center of the story. But he wants them 
to kind of get with the program. <laughs> Maybe you've heard that. That's a, a get with the program type of moment. What things? What planet have you been on? But the truth is, and I think what we can learn from this, that though God knows what's going on in our circumstances, though God knows our hearts, he's interested and he's listening. He wants to know what's going on in our heart, both good and bad. And it's important for us that we share that. Many years ago in Eastern Europe, there was a, a graffiti that was put on a wall that said, God is alive, but he's not really interested in us. That's sad to think, and it's not actually true from the Bible. God is alive, and he is interested in us. He wanted to hear about their doubts and their troubles and their circumstances, and he made them, he made himself available, Jesus himself. They were doubting, and it seems maybe it's even a little bit more than doubt. It was, it was unbelief. You may ask, what's the difference between doubt and unbelief? Well, well, doubt is that honest wrestling. It's trying to get the solution. Unbelief is a refusal to believe, even in the face of evidence. And Jesus actually rebukes his disciples many times, even after the resurrection, you're slow of faith. You're slow to believe. Your, your hearts are hard because of unbelief. Though they'd seen the miracles, though many of them had been with him for years by this point, they were slow to believe because of their unbelief beginning to emerge. Some scholars suggested it was their unbelief that stopped them recognizing Jesus at that moment. One writer said this, the roots of unbelief lie in loving the wrong things. I think that could be really useful to look at in the text. Look at verse 21 of Luke 14. We had hoped he was this Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. You see, they had a certain hope, but maybe the unbelief set in because it was, it was lying and loving the wrong things. They would have loved Jesus to come and set them free from the Romans. They would have loved Jesus to come and be a political leader or a king that would set them free from all the oppression that they'd faced. Unbelief, maybe the root of it is lying and loving the wrong things. So here's another challenging question for you. What wrong things might you be loving, loving today that are causing you disappointment or disbelief? What wrong things are you loving that may be causing you disappointment or unbelief even towards God in your life? That's challenging to think, but sometimes it's because we're loving the wrong things that unbelief can creep in. What troubles do you need Jesus to listen to today, you can bring them to him. Encountering Jesus brings the hope of his presence. Jesus himself shows up. Secondly, encountering Jesus brings the hope of his strength. Jesus strengthened them with the truth as he explains the events and, and shares the scripture. Bible says in verse 27, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
He spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about this eternal perspective. I would have loved to have been there as he kind of explained right from the start of the Old Testament, explaining all those things, how it was pointing to this moment, how it was pointing to the plan of God. The crucifixion was not a mistake in God's plan. It was part of the work of the kingdom of God. And so he comes and he explains that. The Bible records that their hearts burn within them as he's explaining these things. Why did their hearts burn? Maybe because they were getting some revelation. Maybe because they were getting some truth that would actually set them up for the rest of their life. A few years ago, I was in Pakistan and I was introduced to a pastor who'd come he was a Christian pastor, but he'd, he'd come from the Muslim faith and I, I got talking to him and he shared a little bit of his story and he said that he was a seeker of truth. He, he wanted to know truth. And one day Jesus appeared to him and said, I am the truth that you seek. And then for a couple of hours, began to explain to him from the Bible all the things that were true concerning himself. Why he was the Messiah, why Jesus himself, as he said in the Gospel of John, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For two hours, he explained to this man who was a Christian pastor. He expounded the scriptures about himself. He made no bones that actually the story was about himself. <laughs> For us, that might be egotistical. But in the story of the Bible, it's always pointing to Jesus. Encountering his presence, making it about himself. And in making it about himself, and when he comes along, and when we engage then actually we can have that strength. Someone sent me a quote recently and it talked about if you need encouragement, put down your chocolate, put down the TV remote and pick up your Bible. There's something in that as we find the hope of his strength that comes through his word. So encountering Jesus brings the hope of his presence. Encountering Jesus also brings the hope of his strength. And I hope you're able to receive that today as you hear God's word. And then finally, encountering Jesus brings the hope of his intimacy. Maybe you're, you're thinking, well, do you know what? It would be okay to know that Jesus is alive and he's near me somewhere. But actually, Jesus wants to do something more that, than that. He, he wants us to real, have a real sense of, of intimacy in his presence. And that's part of the Jewish culture of, of eating together. Eating together is great at the best of times with family and good friends, where you can enjoy yourself, where you can open up, where you can have fun. But particularly in the Jewish culture, it was extremely important Jesus comes and they would have done this before. Jesus comes and he breaks bread and he drinks wine. And suddenly as he's, he's doing that with them, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. Isn't it 
really lovely to think that Jesus was both the guest and the host of the meal. Jesus is, is there present with them. He blesses the bread, he, he breaks it and he gives it to them. And that would have been reminiscent of what going on. If you know anything of your Bible, you know that's referring back to the Last Supper, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, only a few days before. The writers are, are making this point very clearly. He was made known to them through the breaking of bread. Not only did he bring truth revelation to them, he brought the revelation of himself. And again, for me, I find that encouragement because when Jesus is, is revealing himself in his brokenness, when he's revealing himself as the crucified God, he's actually revealing the Father. Right throughout the Gospel of John, repeatedly he says, I've come to show you the Father. I've come to reveal the heart of the Father for you. I've come to let you in to the Holy of Holies, into this most sacred of places, so that you might know the heart of the Father. And Jesus repeatedly told stories, such as the story of the prodigal son, the heart of the Father running to embrace people, even those who have walked away. Because of what Jesus has done, and in the breaking of bread, in that close connection, in that intimacy with him, we can experience his presence. The last book of the Bible, Jesus says something to a church, not just an individual, but to a church. This is what he says, Revelation chapter three, verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. <laughs> Isn't that good? Not even just share a meal that you're somewhere in the picture but share a meal together as friends. That, that's the invitation. That's the heart of God for us. That's the longing of God to draw us into that place where we're close to him. That's why one of the most important images in the New Testament is, is Jesus as the shepherd. Shepherd who goes looking for the sheep, who brings the sheep close to his heart, who tenderly looks after them, who will nurse their wounds. One of the most famous passages in the Old Testament is Psalm 23. The picture of the shepherd looking after the sheep and it says, he anoints my head with oil. And one of the images for that is sheep are very prone because they're out in the fields all the time. They're very prone to getting worms and maggots and other things like that. And because they're left alone for, for long periods, sometimes they will burrow into the skin uh, and that will become a, a great source of irritation and infection. So the shepherd will anoint the head of the sheep with oil to act as a protective barrier against those worms and those maggots and those other things. What a beautiful image of intimacy. What a beautiful image of God looking after us. For those of you who take communion, as we do regularly here when we gather, Remember that next time you come, that it's, it's more than just the symbols. It's the desire of God to connect with us in a place of intimacy. One of the things that's, that's coming up that you may have seen in the announcements is the ladies' retreat. And the theme that's happening for the ladies' retreat is about encountering Jesus. And we're making space for that. You may have seen a slide for it and one should come up in a minute for you. You can book on to that 
because we want to give you the opportunity to experience that intimacy, to experience that presence, to encounter Him. I know sometimes it's a challenge to carve out those times, but I encourage you to do that, to book on, to be part of that, to grow in relationship with others, but to grow in your relationship with God as well. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. They hear my voice. I wonder what voice you're listening to today. Is it the voice of doubt in your own mind? Is it the voice of unbelief? Is it the voice of negativity? Is it the voice of impossible? Well, just break that down a bit. Impossible means I'm possible. (laughs) I'm possible with God's help. Who knows what God can do in your life? Not waving a magic wand, but with his presence, with his strength, with his intimacy in your life. Who knows what's possible in your life? Who knows what God can do? I hope you hear the voice of hope, even in your disappointments. Allow him to bring his presence. Allow him to bring his strength. Allow him to bring his intimacy. The worship team live will be singing a song. And in a couple of minutes, when when we finish, we're going to play you a version of that song. It won't be live. We're going to play you a version of that song. It's called The Voice of Hope. Let me read the chorus to you. This is what it says. You are the voice of hope, the anchor of my soul. Where there seems to be no way, you make it possible. You are the Prince of Peace. Amid adversity, my lips will shout for joy to you, the Most High God. My prayer today for you is that you hear that voice of hope. You hear that encouragement. If we can be helpful to you in that process, a slide will come up after the song with all our contact details. You can get us in the usual way on social media. Please do feel free to get in contact with us so that you can hear that voice of hope in his presence. God bless you and we hope to see you soon. Hey
Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.